0: Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we know that you are in this place. We have felt you this morning. We have felt your spirit working in and among us. And we invite you to continue to work, to continue to speak. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Who has given himself for us that we might know you, that we might know you fully, that we might be completely, 100% sold out to you. Lord, I pray in these moments here, Lord, that you begin a transformation process, that you work in our hearts and chip away at those things that need to be chipped away at, and that you remind us of your goodness. We pray all of this in Christ's name, amen. Uh, Lord, help me is probably the most prayed prayer in the world, right? Lord, help me. My guess is you've prayed this countless times in countless situations for countless reasons. You might be praying it right now. Lord, help me. Lord, help me get into the college of my choice. Lord, help me be a better spouse. Lord, help me. My car is broken down on the side of the road, and I need help. Lord, help me win this basketball game today. Lord, help me pass this test. Lord, help me. Lord, help me make it out of this emergency room alive. Lord, help me restore this relationship. Lord, help me preach this sermon. Lord, help me not fall asleep during this sermon. (laughs) Lord, help me. Help me. I mean, we say, we, we, we pray prayers like this with great routine. And I think we should, actually. I would never want you to stop praying that prayer. Please continue. As they say, even atheists, there is no atheist in the foxhole, right? So when pressure is mounting, even those among us who have the lowest amount of faith in our life at this moment, we know to cry out. We know to say, God, if you're there, Lord, help me, right? Lord, help me. And there is certainly nothing wrong with this. And I want to make it abundantly clear that if this is the prayer you're praying this morning, please continue. In fact, I would say, if you're not crying out to God in times of trial, there's probably something wrong with you. While this should not be the only time that we cry out to God, it's certainly more than acceptable to do so. In fact, I would say it is expected. And the Psalms, the Psalms we've been reading through, the Songs of Ascents, Psalm 120 through 134, but the rest of the Psalms, they're filled with with great examples of, of the Psalmist crying out, saying, help me, God, help me. And uh, I, while well, I could give you uh, countless examples, I'm going to give you just one. Psalm 70, verse 1, it goes like this. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Or if you want, my translation of this. Hurry up, God, save me already. O Lord, help me. Right? I mean, this is what the psalmist is saying. We use uh, certainly religious formula, and, and it, it sounds more holy coming out of uh, what we just read, or what I just read, but, but that's what the psalmist is saying. Make haste. Hurry up. Save me already. Help me. Help me. On our journey together over these next few weeks and months and years, life, there will no doubt be times of peril where you will cry out to God, help me, help me. Some of those times God will answer with a, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and praise be to God during those times. And then other times it will seem like God is not answering at all. And what we must learn is to still, still say Praise be to God during those times as well. One way or another, I think what we often fail to do, and what this sermon is primarily about, is not so much crying out to God for help in those times of trial, it's to do the post-prayer assessment. We often have short memories In fact, when it comes to our prayers, myself included. And I think this is where Psalm 124, our psalm for today, well, this is where it excels. The songwriter, he stops, and he reflects, and he remembers, and he recalls God's answers to his prayer. His prayer, Lord help me, indeed gets answered. And he writes a song about it. Have you ever written a song about God answering your prayers? It might be a worthwhile effort. There's much to be learned here. We dare not miss it. I want to jump in and just read kind of verse by verse. So if you want to open up to Psalm 124, that would be great. It begins this way. The psalmist says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and uh, as Charles was reading that, and frankly, even as I just read it myself, you kind of catch yourself because, well, the psalmist says the same thing twice, right? You see it, it's right there, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, I, I see this as a great revivalist uh, preacher moment in the Psalms. It's a, are you with me, right? If the Lord had not been on our side, and then he says, oh, Israel, let's say it together. Let's sing this song together. If the Lord had not been on our side, right? And he says it twice. The Lord has helped this psalmist. This Lord has helped Israel the Lord has indeed acted in a mighty way, and the psalmist wants Israel to remember it together. And he's saying, don't forget. Don't overlook this moment. He is essentially taking Israel by the shoulders and looking them in the eyeballs and saying, and shaking them, saying, wake up. Recognize what God has done for you. What Look at what has happened here. Don't miss God's goodness. We all cried out together, Lord, help us. And God answered. And don't forget that. That's what the psalmist is starting with. This is how it all begins. And he goes on. And he says, he talk, starts talking about exactly what happened here, which is when, when people began to rise up against us, and then they, they would have swallowed us up alive, and, and their anger, it was kindled against us, right? And he, he begins to tell something of a story. We don't know exactly what the story is. It certainly could have been a, a war. Some sort of battle, that's what it sounds like to me. But it could be something more personal. It could be someone coming after his job. It it could be someone coming after his house, or his household, or his belongings, or, or someone trying to harm his reputation. Whatever it might be, he's saying, the Lord has protected me from these folks who are coming at me. They were coming against me, and I shouted out, Lord, help me. And the Lord answered, right? The Lord answered. And he continues. He says, then the flood, it would have swept us away, right? And the torrent, that strong flowing river, it would have, it would have carried us away completely, And then over us would have gone the raging waters. And he's saying, that could have happened. That could have have been the result of my life or our collective life. That could have been the result of the war that we were fighting in this moment. Or that could have been the result of the guy who came at me and tried to ruin my reputation. Or whatever it is. And I do want you to try to make this personal here. Whatever it is that God saved you from or could have happened, he's recognizing that it could have been a lot worse than whatever happened. And it's interesting to me that here, he does not focus on the casualties of whatever war he has been through. And I don't doubt there are casualties in his war. If it's a real war that the psalmist is talking about, there's no doubt someone or many people died. Even if it's a a personal sort of war, there's no doubt that there were casualties involved, inner wounds that happened. But he does not choose to focus his attention there. He chooses to focus his attention elsewhere, namely fact that he was preserved from that, that he was saved from the torrent, he was saved from the raging waters that could have swept him away. And I think there's an important lesson here. Do I need to spell it out? Maybe so. If war is indeed what this poet is singing about, there would have been negative fallout. Some lives would have been lost, homes destroyed, and the CNNs and the Fox Newses would have covered all of the tragedy. It's what they're designed to do. It's their job to feed us the tragedy of the world. And without trying to downplay, and I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the loss or difficulty of this situation or any situation in which we find ourselves. The psalmist reminds us that there is always a good God at work. The flood could have swept us away, but it didn't. The torrent It could have carried us downstream, but it didn't. The flood could have swallowed us whole, but instead we are in the life raft. And the same, I think, applies to whatever difficulty you might be facing today. What is that difficulty that you're facing today? Is there something in your difficulty, that is worth rejoicing over, that is worth remembering how God actually saved you to the point that you're in? Is there some kind of silver lining or a victory that we miss because we're so focused on the defeats? What do we have to learn from Psalm 124 this morning? That's the question. What do we have to learn from Psalm 124 this morning? He continues in verse 6. He says, Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And the psalmist's lesson continues. He blesses God. Blessed be the Lord, right? Blessed be the Lord. He rejoices in this moment. He rejoices in the goodness of God. In the prayer that has been answered. In the, Lord, help me. And God says, yes, I will. And the psalmist rejoices and says, blessed be the Lord. He does not focus on the unanswered prayers Or the prayer that is not answered, at least in the way he wants. He instead focuses on the victory that is right in front of him. If he had prayed, Lord help me. He focuses not on what the Lord had not done, but on what the Lord has actually done. The saving grace that he has found. I do want to add a caveat, however. The whole corpus of the Psalms, all all of the Psalms together, they teach us that we can actually hold both of these things together, and and, and we should. There are appropriate times to focus on that which is lacking, the ways in which prayers go unanswered or, or go answered in ways we don't want them to, and to lament and to, be, uh, and to cry out to God, where are you? And I think that's important too. But sometimes, sometimes, we just need to look that victory square in the face and say, thank you, Lord. You have gotten me through. You have answered my prayer, Lord, help me. And I am grateful for it. Uh, each week, I look for a quote that uh, gets played on the screen, and sometimes I bring them into the sermon, and sometimes I don't, uh, and this week, I found uh, what I believed, what and do believe, uh, is actually the perfect quote, and then, uh, not surprisingly, uh, it's from my good friend, C.S. Lewis. Uh, I found the quote before I found out who it was from. I feel like I maybe use his name too much. I like to spread the wealth, but he's... He, he just has good stuff. And, and he says this. He says, many people think their prayers are never answered. Is that you? Right? Many people think their prayers are never answered. Because it is the answered ones they forget. It's the answered ones they forget. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier about us having short memories. We cry out with routine, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And how often does God answer that prayer? And two minutes later, you're shouting out, Lord, help me. What have you done for me lately? And we too quickly and too easily forget indeed that God has answered our prayers. Let us not be that kind of people. I found that convicting, the quote from C.S. Lewis, because sometimes I feel like I forget too quickly. But I do want to ask you, have, have you forgotten the answered prayers of your life? Have you failed to remember the times that God has come through in small ways and in large ways? Have you so focused on what is wrong that you cannot recall what is right with your life? Perspective is everything here. If you were with us on Wednesday at 7 a.m., and I invite you to come this Wednesday at 7 a.m., we talked a little about perspective. And one of the things I said then that applies uh, here as well is it was remarkable when I moved from Marion, Alabama to Springfield, Virginia. You couldn't find... Uh, two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to, um, let's just say wealth, right? Material blessing, if you wanna use religious language, material blessing. And yet, the crazy thing is, uh, I think half or more of Northern Virginians think they're living in hell, when in reality, They're living with all of the trappings of paradise and they don't even see it. They don't even see how much is around us on a constant, how good life is here. I was able to see that very clearly five years ago when I first moved here. Here's the weird thing about life. The more you get used to something the more you get used to something. And it's a little more difficult for me to see it these days. And so I don't say this with judgment, maybe a little bit, but (laughs) I do want to be the psalmist and grab us by the shoulders and shake us and say, wake up, let's recognize the goodness that we have in our life. I know there are these things that we are all lamenting too. There are. And I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to pretend like they're not there. But good grief. Let us rejoice in the ways in which God has blessed us in the here and the now. The psalmist ends with verse 8, and it says this. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And here I think the psalmist ends with perhaps what I've been trying to say as we we fix our eyes on the, the heavenly things, on the things that God has blessed us with, the ways in which God has acted victoriously in our personal lives, in our collective lives, We must remind ourselves that the help that we have is in the name of the Lord. And this Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. And when I hear that phrase, I hear, this is the Lord of abundance. The Lord of abundance. And often we get stuck in our scarcity, right? We we get stuck thinking, I don't have quite enough. I've got to hoard, I've got to make sure, I've I've got what I need. But the maker of heaven and earth has everything at his disposal. He's capable of doing all things. He's created an order in which uh, abundance comes regularly and routinely, and we're about to see it as spring is right around the corner, as new things are going to start growing out of the ground. We're planting a garden over here, and it's got little seeds. It's probably going to get eaten by the deer, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Little seeds are going to go into soil, and do you know what's going to happen from that? The God of abundance, the maker of heaven and earth, as he says here, is going to turn that into a vine, which is going to begin to produce tomatoes. And not just like one tomato, like bunches of tomatoes, From this little seed. That is the God of abundance. This is the God that we worship. And so as we cry out, Lord help me, Lord help me, we do well to remind ourselves of the Lord that we're crying out to. It is the maker of heaven and earth. On occasion, I like to give you the things that you want to hear. And I think some people like to hear alliteration. So I'm going to conclude that way. When God answers your prayer, Lord, help me, we must do four things, and they all start with the letter R. We must recognize it. We must slow down, and like the psalmist here We must recognize the ways in which God answers that prayer. Sometimes I'm not sure we even do that much. But we've got to stop and we've got to say, yes, the Lord has helped me. The Lord has saved me. And the next thing we need to do is to rejoice and to offer thanks and blessing back to God. Say, blessed be his name. And not move on too quickly to whatever comes next. To recognize God's provision in the here and now. And to say thank you. And to let that soak in. And the third thing is to record it. This is actually what Psalm 124 teaches me. Here's a man who has had some sort of divine victory in his life. And he doesn't just let it sweep through. He stops, he pauses, he rejoices, but then he writes something down. Do you keep a prayer journal or or or, or some sort of journal that, that records the victories of God in your life? I don't. But I should. I should. I wish I did. I wish I could go back through my whole life and remember very quickly and easily the thousands of ways in which God has answered my prayers, Lord, help me. Now, I do have a catalog in my brain of some of the bigger ones, but the fact is some of those smaller things have probably been lost to history. we would do well to record the ways in which God has answered the prayer, Lord, help me. The fourth and final thing, and the R, is to remember. And to come back to it again and again, to remind ourselves to remember what God has done. And to do all of this again, Right? To, to, to recognize it again, to, to rejoice in it again, to maybe record it all again, and, and to remember what God has done for us. There's a lot of goodness in the world. I know there's a lot of evil, too. There's a lot of bad things out there. But we would do well as a Christian people to remind ourselves of the ways in which God has answered our prayer, Lord Help us. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we cry out to you for help, we cry out different prayers. We cry out prayers, uh, some of which are deadly serious the need to get out of the hospital room. And sometimes we cry out that prayer, help me win this basketball game. And God, the thing is, you hear all of those. You hear them all. God, I pray that we be a people who recognizes when you answer those prayers, that we celebrate them together, that we tell other people about them, Help us, help us to be a people who rejoice together about the ways in which you have indeed answered our prayer. God, as we prepare our hearts now for communion, I, I ask that, Lord, um, we approach the communion table with all seriousness. God, I pray that as we uh, think about what we're doing here, we are taking the bread and the cup that represents the broken body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. God, this is the ultimate sense in which you have answered the prayer, Lord, help us. You have helped us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. By taking our sin away from us. And so, Lord, as we approach the table, we take some time to get our hearts ready, to confess our sin to you, to remind us again of just what you died for. And to hand that back to you and to turn around and to choose a different path in this life. God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Uh, Let's take a few moments to indeed prepare our hearts before God.